Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 13 of Exploring Economic Development with MEDC. I'm Meredith Harris, the Executive Director of Marlboro Economic Development Corporation. And today we're going to be joined with a guest from the 495 Metro West Partnership with Jason Palich. Um, last week when we were here, we had Greg Bunn from Mass Hire. We talked a lot about kind of what COVID has done for uh, different industries and uh, really talked to him about some of the resources that his organization offers. And it was just a great conversation. Uh, so with that, I'm going to turn it over to my uh, co-host, Jillian Morin. Hi, Meredith. Good morning, Jill. How are you? Good. We're, I'm a little sad, though, because we're getting to the end of the summer. And our next episode is going to be in September. Don't even. I know. <laughs> just, just popping that bubble. Wow, way to really bring yeah. you down. Yeah, I'm sorry. That. Uh, that was great. To all of our viewers, <laughs> I apologize. I'm a mom of four, so, so there's the summer like, is coming to an end. That's a real thing for you, right? Which is good and bad. Yep. Yep. You know, especially as we're going into this school year, it's you know, there's just so many things that are going on. Yeah. Yeah. We won't go there though. We're not going there anymore. <laughs> Welcome to exploring economic development, not with MEDC. Exploring the end of the summer. We're right. <laughs> we're done. Done. Um, so welcome. We're happy if you're if you're joining us here live. Go ahead and comment. Let us know that you're watching. If you uh, you know, let us know where you're watching from and uh, what you're excited to hear about, or if you have any questions or ideas for even future episodes. We'd love to hear it. Um, uh, if you are joining us on the replay, you can also comment. Uh, we check those comments and we want to make sure that we're able to answer any questions that you have. Also, you might be watching this on WMCT TV, which is our Marlboro local cable access channel. Thank and you, so WMCT. We love that they share that there. So you should see on the bottom here our email address and our phone number. So you can reach us that way if you'd like. Absolutely. Yeah. So with that, we're going to introduce our guest this week. So we're very excited. We have Jason Palich from the 495 Metro West Partnership. I'm saying that correctly, right? Yes, you are. Awesome. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, Jason. Happy to be here. I'm Glad excited. to have you. Episode number 13. A lot of good luck what you've brought me today. Right. And you were yes. just telling us before we started that uh, Friday the 13th was unlucky for you last week. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was. But uh, you know what? I'm not Triskaidekaphobic. So, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll try to We'll bounce for... back. Fun fact, <laughs> I was married on Friday the 13th. Wow. Yep. And we've made it past seven years, and so we're Yay. doing okay. But seven is a lucky number. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's years. true. So we'll see what happens next year. <laughs> Just kidding, Mike. I love you. <laughs> so, Jason, we're really excited to have you today. Uh, for folks that might not know what 495 Metro West Partnership is, we wanted to bring you on to talk about the importance of regional economic development. We've been talking a lot about Marlboro's economic development, and um, why do we need to work with our neighbors? Why is it important for us to come together in the Metro West region um, to have sort of a kind of coalition, you know, through Metro West 495 partnership. Um, what do you guys do? Well, great question. And, and let me let me start by answering it. You know, the, the, why, why do you need an organization like the partnership? It's because this is a very unique region with a mm -hmm. cohesive identity with very particular needs that make it a different place than some of the places to the, to the east and the west. And it needed its own voice and its own coordinating entity. So the 495 Metro West Partnership is a unique public-private alliance we mm -hmm. have as our stakeholders, businesses, municipalities, environmentalists, developers, regional transit authorities, mm -hmm. chambers of commerce, uh, a, a lot, lot of different of folks, people. Yep, yep. Higher education institutions. A lot of folks you don't always see sitting around the same table, mm -hmm. sitting around the same table where their interests in the 36 cities and towns that make up our service area uh, align. Our goal is to pursue sustainable economic growth. Mm -hmm. We do this through coordination, advocacy, bringing folks together. We do a lot of quote unquote traditional economic development work, but there's so much more to it we do than that. 
Uh, and you know, one of the things that I, I love about the partnership in this organization is our approach to economic development is holistic. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you guys do a lot of the traditional economic development yeah. work, and we do, do that too. You know, it's employer uh, mm-hmm. retraction and attention uh, uh, retention campaigns, talking to employers and potential employers who are interested in locating here, trying yep. to get them to locate here, uh, talking to somebody who might be considering leaving, talking to somebody who might be considering expanding, helping them meet their needs in terms of workforce, in terms of site intelligence. Mm-hmm. All of those fun things. Uh, that, that, uh, we are also a regional economic development organization uh, for the state. We're the states. They call it a REDO. That's yep. the acronym yep. for the region. So we do a lot of technical assistance to, of all kinds to businesses. Right. So we do some of that traditional economic development work, but we take a holistic approach to economic growth. It is the climate of the region. It is a variety of factors right. that are necessary for this to be an attractive place for people to live, work, and do business. And so that's why we focus also on transportation policy, yeah. housing, water infrastructure, energy, sustainable development, all of those things. That's one of the things that kind of sets us apart. Yeah, so the way, I mean, the way we always look at it, like in, in Marlboro, so we're Marlboro Economic Development. So my focus when I'm talking to a company, you know, I'm not pushing them towards any of my surrounding communities. I want them here in Marlboro. That's where I want them to go. But for for you guys, it's more about the region, regional perspective. How do you make the region a strong place, right? Because realistically, when we're out talking to companies um, at site selector events or somewhere across the country, you know, when we're talking to them, they they see the whole area, right? And so they want to know that it's a strong area with a strong presence. And, and so, you know, groups like yours, it's really important to have somebody that's looking out for the Metro West region, you know, and then there's all of us in, individuals that are looking out for our individual communities. But it's important to have somebody like yourself doing that. And um, you guys do a lot of state advocacy, you know, at different levels and, and all of our voices together are better than one in particular. So we, we thank you for that. It's certainly. And I, I should maybe, uh, for folks who don't know, tell you a little bit about the region. I think you might actually have a map. Yeah, uh, handy. So yeah, I like you keep saying 36 communities. 36 cities and towns just grew to number 36 last uh, December. We had been 35. So the right. newest addition to our uh, partnership right? family is the town of Plainville, uh, which is now our southernmost. So is that, not to cut you off, Go is ahead. that a <laughs> challenge or is it an opportunity? Because it, we often look at it and say, how the heck do you look at 36 communities and, and be able to advocate for all of them? I mean, as much as there has to be some you know, needs that are, you know, coincide or similarities, but there are definitely differences between the different communities. So how do you deal with that challenge or an opportunity? Uh, it, it, it is a reason for being. There you uh, go. <laughs> the, the, this region uh, and its combination of cities and towns is, is sort of why we're here in the mm-hmm. first place. Um, and you know, just to give people a sense, I'd like to describe it as a diamond to the west of Boston. Okay. Uh, so I know you guys have we the sparkle. map up on screen, but for somebody who might, you know, want to download your podcast someday and, and, yeah. and, and hear the audio, um, the northern tip of our diamond is the town of Westford. Mm-hmm. We slide down to the west. The western tip is Shrewsbury and Grafton, mm-hmm. now down to the southeast. So Plainville, our newest community, is our southernmost. So Plainville, okay. Rentham, Foxborough at the south, yep. go up to Natick and Wayland on the east, and then we angle back up to Westford. Okay. This region is uh, about uh, 1 in 10 jobs in the Commonwealth, 1 wow. in 10 payroll dollars, uh, growing faster than the rest of the state is. I'll dive into our census figures later. I was very excited that the Census Bureau released <laughs> uh, local data. It was like We won't Christmas call you morning. a dork, Jason, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is a region of tremendous economic import yeah. uh, to Massachusetts. But one of the sort of the, the, the genesis of the partnership in the, in the first place, the organization is about 20 years old. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons reasons for the creation of the partnership is if you look at this region, um, you know, cities have mayors who can mm-hmm. speak for them. Western Massachusetts and the Cape are very, very well-defined regions and have been for centuries. Yeah. Uh, and it's easy to understand who they are, what their needs are. 
this region has really sort of come into its own in the last two generations, especially the last 30 years with a lot of economic growth along the 495 corridor. These 36 cities and towns have uh, you know, similar, uh, there's, a, there's a lot in common in terms of what companies choose to locate there, to grow there, demographics. Uh, but this region, despite all of its needs, didn't really have a voice. So it mm -hmm. sits at the edge of all of these other boundaries. We're three counties. Or four different congressional districts, multiple chambers of commerce. All of our chambers right. do fantastic work, but they tend to, tend to have geographically smaller areas, multiple regional transit authorities, Absolutely. most of which were at the western edge of, yeah. um, you know, different river watersheds, right. things like that. Um, and there wasn't really that cohesive identity, that cohesive voice that could speak for this region and deal with all of those jurisdictional boundaries. And setting aside the jurisdictional boundaries, too, just from kind of a mental mm -hmm. place, you know, we're metro Boston, but we're not immediate Boston. Right. We're closer to Worcester, but it's not central mass. Right. So really there was that lack of voice prior to the partnership to speak for this region and its unique needs. So in terms of, I don't see the region as a challenge. I guess I see it more of, of an advantage, but, but yeah. the answer to your question is it's really, it's who we are in the first place. And the number one advantage, and I could go on for hours about the advantages to this region, the number one advantage to this region is its people. It is a highly yeah, skilled, highly educated workforce that is tremendously attractive to employers. Mm -hmm. That obviously spills out into a lot of other benefits, but the people of this region are the number one advantage that it has. Well, and to your point, I think, you know, like when we're out, again, talking to some of the bigger, bigger fish that want to come into the community, they want to hear, you know, they want to hear about Marlboro and what's the community like to work with and what types of amenities you have available. But they also want to be able to see that big, other big corporations are able to attract the talent, you know, in the region, right? Mm -hmm. So it helps us make a, a better um, case when we're showing a map and we can show some of the other businesses that are in the region. Uh, it just makes a stronger argument. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, a pharmaceutical manufacturing operation, you know, a big pharma, Kendall Square, Watertown, mm -hmm. they want to open uh, an advanced manufacturing facility for, you know, a, a pharmaceutical product. It's going to be 200 jobs. They want to site it in Marlboro. That's a skilled occupation. They need right. a certain, they have certain requirements that they need of their workforce. And mm -hmm. so when they're looking to site 200 jobs in Marlboro, you know, yeah, obviously, you know, Medic is going to do great work to bring them right. in and talk to them about sites, and you guys are going to give them the big pitch. But one of the questions that they're going to need to ask is, is a regional one in the surrounding area. Are there is there the skill set there? Are, is they there the draw. potential workforce or the folks with the requisite background that they could train themselves? Right. And so it becomes very much a regional question. Right. Right. Interesting. So I, when I was working for Rep Barrows at the State House years ago, um, we have State House origins in common. We do, and so I, we talked about the State House a couple weeks ago with Danielle Gregoire, Rep Gregoire. Um, but when I was working for Rep Barrows, uh, he was part of the 495 partnership, and so I kind of did some work with your predecessor Paul Matthews and Jessica Strunken um, when I was like interning at the State House and kind of came through. And, and I should then, say that Rep Barrows is still a member of our advisory committee. One of that, one of the very active engaged members. Yeah. But it was interesting for me, you know, to go from being on that side, you know, working at the state level with 495 Partnership, then to then now, um, I went away for a little while, I was doing something else, and then came back to Marlboro and have been actively engaged. So it's it's interesting to be a part of a group, you know, like that through the years. And you guys do great things. Great. You things. know, and it's funny. I was State House two thousand the first week of two thousand nine. So when my boss at the time was sworn in through the end of two thousand eleven, and uh, my boss, Senator Mike Moore, his district has Shrewsbury and Grafton on the mm -hmm. east, and it's thought of as being a Worcester centric district, but the population growth is very much to the east. Mm -hmm. And so now actually I still live in Shrewsbury. I have Shrewsbury, Grafton, and Upton, which are some of our fastest growing communities in the 495 Metro West region as well. So the region's tentacles go 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 pretty far out. Right, right. So we must have been there at the same time. 
Probably. We must have <laughs> seen you in the hall at some point. I don't remember, but <laughs> it's the Great state house. We said it before. It's an interesting place. And once you've been there, it's like doing time, honestly. I think the only time I've been there was on school field trips, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, you got to get back. Yeah. Once, once, the, once people <laughs> once are allowed to go up. back in. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, all right. So get, we'll get back to business. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a question. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. okay. I didn't oh, see it. No worries. All right. So well, we've got a comment first, and then we have a question. So Dottie um, says, good morning. Fabulous, ladies. I enjoy your show. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Dottie. Thank you, Dottie. Appreciate that. And then we've got a question from Michael Ossing. Um, this is can, our city council president. Excellent. Yes. Thank you so, for joining us, President Ossing. Yeah. We've, we missed you on an episode. Or, or yeah. yeah. We're glad to have you back. We're living the summer. I'm glad, glad to have you. Um, so Michael says, uh, President Austin says, can Jason provide an example of how the 495 partnership has improved the Marlboro economy? Well, that's a great, great question. And what I think that we do and what I would cite. So first of all, I should talk a little bit about some of the work we do and then maybe relate it back more specifically to Marlboro. Uh, but as I mentioned, we do some of the traditional economic development work. We also do a lot of policy advocacy. We coordinate and convene a lot of events, and we put information out there. So one, uh, and I, I won't hold this up as, as having improved the Marlboro economy, but one sort of uh, specific thing that I'll highlight. So every year we put out a report on the region. It's called Strength in Numbers. Yep. Uh, what it is, it's a very simple, it's a two-page overview that you could use to explain to somebody what is it about the 495 Metro West region that makes it so great? But as part and parcel of that, we also do uh, demographic and economic profiles for each of our cities and towns. So I think you might even have a graphic yeah. uh, yes. we put out just a few weeks ago. So some information about Marlboro that you could use to explain relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. Obviously, population figures have now changed with the census released last week. Uh, but there's information you can use relatively quickly to communicate to somebody who's interested in citing and or we locating. Do. Yep. Yeah, we do. We, use, we, we rely on this data a lot. Um, and, and you can get a lot of different sets of data from a lot of different groups, but um, we tend to, to go to the 495 partnership. We, we use this stuff a lot. And, and where, in terms of uh, some specifics, where uh, municipal officials in particular tend to see a lot of the results of the work that we do, uh, especially the advocacy work that we do is transportation. So I mentioned mm -hmm. that we have a focus on transportation that is a little bit unique for organizations that are thought to be economic development organizations or business focused. So transportation infrastructure is obviously essential to economic growth. Absolutely. So uh, one of my, my favorite sort of success stories uh, that's, that hasn't obviously been fully born yet, but we're going to start to see some uh, shovels next year. Uh, the partnership was one of the loudest and most aggressive voices for years advocating for the need to redo the 495 Mass Pike interchange. Oh, wow. Uh, that project is now at the point where the design was chosen uh, last year. The design concept was chosen last year. Uh, that's scheduled to, to begin final design phase 2022. It won't mm -hmm. be completed until 2027, but um, that is one of the most, I think it's like 70,000 trips a day in each direction are going through that interchange. Um, it has needed work for a long, long time. Long time. Uh, a lot of Marlboro residents use that when they commute uh, to Boston. I know some folks, depending on where you are on the city, might shoot down 85 to 9 and go that way. But a lot of folks get on 95, uh, 495, and that's their connection Absolutely. to the bike. Uh, so that is, you know, something that I'll hold up. But, you know, even uh, on a smaller scale, 495 ramping on to 290 recently had some uh, improvements, not necessarily to the extent that we'd like to see. But those types of projects are where the partnership is using its voice on an advocacy front. And they don't per se look like economic development. It's not, you know, bringing company X in no, but it's to, important. to site B and, yeah. and X hundred jobs. And again, we still do some of that work. But we are a, a very vocal voice on issues like that uh, that have a direct impact on how it is to live and work and be in a community. Well, and, and it, that 
supports the work that we do in terms of attraction and, and retention. You know, if we're out there, you know, trying to attract companies and retain companies, and we have another group that's, you know, advocating at the state level for improvements and things like that, you know, we all work together to, to make it a really attractive community and, and region. Um, so speaking of state advocacy, what does that look like? You know, I know that there is pre-pandemic advocacy, what that looked like. The state house is still closed, I think. So what does it look like for you, Jason? I know you and Greg, who was our guest last week, you guys kind of started doing some um, virtual discussions and things mm -hmm. like that. Everybody was forced to pivot. How did you guys do that? Well, let me, let me you know, there's how we do the advocacy and what we're advocating on. So the partnership um, maintains four issue-focused committees. Mm -hmm. Committee is kind of a misnomer. You hear the word committee and you think, oh, you've got to be a member of a committee. There are our committee meetings and events, they're actually open to any interested participant. Um, whether you're an investor company in the partnership, a municipal official, or just an interested local resident. Uh, so the issue areas our committees focus on transportation, uh, water resources, energy sustainable development, and the new one we just launched this year is housing. Okay. Obviously emerging is an important issue in the region in an economic sense and otherwise. Uh, we're going to be launching the fall schedule for our committees in the coming weeks. Very excited about that. Uh, but it's through these committees that we will hear guest speakers, presentations, mm -hmm. and that will be everything from, you know, we'll have MassDOT come and talk about uh, a project that they're doing or changes to the commuter rail schedule. Our Ener Energy and Sustainable Development and our Water Resources Committee jointly hosted this past spring Secretary Theo Herides okay. uh, from Energy and Environmental Affairs to talk about the new climate bill. Obviously, the state passed massive new climate legislation. It impacts businesses. It impacts cities and towns. So to have the secretary come and, and be able it. not only to do a presentation, but also to take a Q&A, you mm -hmm. know, our stakeholders found. So we, we do a lot of information and discussions there. But from there... Uh, it will sometimes get to the level of our board of directors uh, taking a policy position, which we'll mm -hmm. advocate on. There are some issues where the partnership has long uh, been on the record for a long time. We're strong supporters of increased funding to our regional transit authorities. We're strong supporters of increased investment in commuter rail service, things like that we've been on the record on for a long time. But in terms of what that advocacy actually looks like, uh, so, you know, obviously I do miss the days where you could wander into the state house and wander around. And by the way, there was like three or four statehouse staffers mostly women who have been working in the building for 30 years and you talk to them for five minutes and then you know everything i do miss that what was um, the woman's name she worked for the speaker for so long everybody knew her i can't think oh, of her we name probably shouldn't get into you <laughs> who knew what and who told people no what. but there was a woman there like there was this to your point it's almost like the karen bullies of, of marlboro she's been been there forever and she worked with every single speaker but if you needed to know anything or how to get something done or who she knew everything i just can't remember her name are but. you talking about our very own linda martin i know here. well that's I what mean. i mean like sometimes there's like the staple person that you yeah. just know if you have a question they're gonna yep. know the answer to it but anyways and i'm I, sorry I, I, no certainly and, and, I, and i miss i miss that but one, one thing i do want to say about advocacy and you alluded this uh, to this earlier we, we talked about rep barrels briefly so uh, a lot of groups that do advocacy advocate to policymakers. Mm -hmm. The partnership, another thing that makes us a little bit unique is that we have policymakers around our table. Members right. of the state legislative delegation yeah, for the huge, region yeah. are actually acknowledged stakeholders of the partnership. That actually goes all the way back to the founding of the organization, sort of the early conversations mm -hmm. uh, around the, the founding of the 495 Metro West Partnership uh, go back to the late Ambassador Richard Egan, who was the president of EMC, uh, who worked with former State Senator Dave Mignani of Framingham, yep. and the two of them partnered up with sort of the early genesis that eventually led to the creation of the 495 Metro West Partnership. But we have the delegation 
as stakeholders. We're not just advocating to them. They serve on They're our advisory committee. They're around our table. We're actively engaging with them on issues. So it's not just, you know, uh, let's let's talk to businesses, municipal government. They're part and, of the conversation. Exactly. And then yeah. and then go separately tell the legislators what they said. They're sitting at the table. They're part of the conversation. It's a two, it's a multi-way dialogue that we think really enhances our ability to speak for the region. All right, so let's delve a little bit into, you're talking about your board and what does that look like? It's public, private, you know, so you have investors. I know it's your favorite that. board that you serve on, it right? It absolutely is, absolutely. <laughs> so we have a large board of directors. Of it's very vote, large. Voting members, it's just over 50, but with some advisory folks, it's closer to 75. Yeah. Our board is very carefully constructed so that all of our stakeholder groups are represented. Mm -hmm. So there's a certain number of business seats, there's a certain number of municipal official seats. Right. There are environmental seats. There's always an RTA representative. There's always a Chamber of Commerce representative. We have economic development. A lot of different people yep. in the room. Yep. It is a great, great coalition. Um, and they really add um, a lot, not just in terms of what any typical board of directors would do, but to have all of those different perspectives at the table, mm -hmm. again, is, is one of the things that makes the partnership unique. And, and it's, it's the board meetings themselves. It's not just business that we do. We're also discussing issues, and there's a lot of conversations happening about, about the region. And what I frequently hear from board members is, you know, especially some of the newer folks, is they come expecting sort of a rote administrative board meeting and they find that they've had a very engaging conversation which they found enlightening yeah yeah well and i think it's important to i mean you talk about you've got you know um president senate senate president spilka you know somebody yep. that's been you know actively involved in the partnership for many years back to the and, founding yeah and so i think being able to even just have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with some of those folks that's huge value to the business owner you know business representatives that are in the room and um you know that's really valuable being a convener uh, we use that word a lot it's kind of an odd word it's an odd word to say. Um, <laughs> I type it more than I say it, but being a convener is one of the things that we do when, you know, I, so I talk about the committees and having these events and right, of course, right now everything is Zoom and virtual and right. there's still a lot of great engagement, but you know, one of the value that certainly a lot of our investor companies derive from participating in committee meetings is, you know, if there's a regulation or a bill mm -hmm. or something happening or they have a transportation related question, they come to the presentation. It's not just hearing a presentation. They're going to walk right up to the person and after and they're going to gonna engage with them. Right. And they're going to get the question answered. They're going to get a follow up. They're going to build a relationship. Right. A lot of people have built relationships through, through the, the 495 Metro West partnership over the years. Well, and to your point, I mean, so a lot of legislation comes out, you know, huge bills that, you know, all kinds of things. And it's difficult to sometimes understand it or to, to kind of dig through it and figure out what does this mean? What kind of impact does it have on my business? A lot of our business owners and our you know companies, they need to be doing what they do, right? And, and they sometimes will have folks in their company that are supposed to be looking through these types of things, but not always, right? And so to be able to have a group that's kind of putting the information out there in a digestible way, um, to then have the follow-up with the people that are actually making the decisions is really kind of unique. I that's should cool. probably say something about our information and resource updates, which have the most Please. beige, vanilla, boring name you could think of. Uh, but it's beca it's one of those things. I don't want to say it was an accident, but it's one of those things that was it, it started off uh, one way, and it's become sort of a, a, a defining feature of us for a lot of people. So during the pandemic, and just by way of I started in this job at the end of January. 2020. Yeah, you kind of that was difficult. <laughs> so all right, Jill, just so you understand this, so yeah. Paul Matthews was the head of the 495 partnership for how many years? Like 15 years. 15 or so. Again, I worked with him when I was at the State House, and then when I came to Auburn. And so Jason took the job like. 
there had been a vacancy of about six months. Yep. And then uh, I started in January 2020, and I had Ooh. about six weeks before COVID absolutely wow. crashed down. So talk about trying stepping into you're the executive director. This is a brand new role for you. You know, 36 communities. What a I was so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed with all the things that we were going to do. <laughs> we were going to do a new strategic plan. We were going to redo the website. By the way, now we have redone our website, our Perfect. strategic planning Good. process. Perfect. But, you know, in, in, in meeting people, it was great the first few weeks reaching out to stakeholders, board yeah. members, investors, getting to see them and talk with them one-on-one. -on -one. And then I would say probably about a month in, I remember kind of chuckling to myself, you know, like we, we the, the entire organization, I have one full-time staff member and, and we have yeah. a co-op student from Northeastern uh, kind of chuckling to myself, like we're a small group. I need to put into place like a co-op, uh, yeah. co uh, COVID protocol. Our first COVID protocol in the end of February was I bought a couple of things at Clorox. <laughs> And it was like, yeah, we're going to probably have to do some sanitizing. We're going to have and to figure this out. <laughs> two weeks later, dealing with COVID had become everything yeah, all yeah. and anything. Well, and it's a totally different job at that point, right? And we mm. felt that here, too, where it was like, okay, all of a sudden, we're not we're not getting on a plane tomorrow to go talk to companies out across the you know country. Um, now we're really, really focused on boots on the ground, you know, making sure that our small business, that folks are going to be able to survive this. Right. So it was what a totally different things, focus. So I came in kind of after the pandemic had hit the summer afterwards. What were some of the things not to not to derail the conversation no. that you no, guys chose to do in terms of the funding that you had here at MEDC and how how did you have to rearrange to support some of our our community really well all right so first thing and i think you guys it was very similar where all of a sudden we're all at home yeah and it was like the way we did everything we just came to a halt which was really kind of weird yep um and then it really just became you know and, and for me i'm sure it was similar for you guys but for me it was more like picking up the phone and checking in on people seeing how they were doing really just trying to get a, a true boots on the ground yeah. understanding of what did people need and how could we help them they then know. it kind of shifted towards just being an information hub because there was so much information that was flying from everywhere changing and changing all the time. All the time. So, so it was like, how do you make sure that people know what the heck is going on and know what's available to them? Right. Um, and, and making those calls as I did. Right. And, you know, we, we have a, a lot of larger uh, employers around our table, a lot of technology and life sciences companies actually who tended to handle the shift to remote relatively well. Mm -hmm. And in terms of their revenues tended to be the least threatened. Working with our chambers of commerce, obviously hearing about restaurants and right. retail, who it well, was just taking an most. absolute beating. And we did have some companies, um, you know, who, who, who had some struggles. I think of, you know, Boston Scientific, which is obviously doing very well, but right. obviously a lot of their clientele um, are uh, elective procedures. And that was an immediate hit. And they had right. to make some tough choices. So everybody was impacted. but In the, some way. In some way or other. But what I found in sifting it through, despite everybody's different needs, there were two things. And it wasn't just... Um, it wasn't just companies, it was municipalities mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm. Everybody, it boiled down to two things that people needed, money mm -hmm. and information. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we don't... You're right. <laughs> yeah. We don't play with a ton of cash, but, right. you know, they're, they're the federal government in particular, but also the state government, there were massive uh, financial assistance programs yeah. to prop up the economy, to prop up city uh, municipal governments. Information was... Flying. F fluid. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was voluminous, fluid. <laughs> constantly changing, you know, as yeah. something tries to weave its way through Congress. So it was like, all right, what can we do? And we had just switched over to, um, we had a very dated technology platform. We had just moved, migrated all of our email addresses to constant contact. Yeah. We had set it up so we could do a nice, I was like, or what, what could we do? So I remember it was like a, it was like a Monday in early March and it was, I'm going to, we're going to amalgamate 
all of the governor's uh, public health orders, because this is probably a couple days after the mm -hmm. shutdown, mm -hmm. and throw in some information about some assistance programs out there. We got it into one sort yeah, of concise. Yeah, you guys concise, were really good throughout the whole thing. And we sent this out, and we got a really strong feedback Response. for it. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, it kept happening that every few days there was so much information. <laughs> it was like every hour. It was really bizarre. And so we would be, we're, we're, it would be, we're, we're summarizing the governor's orders. We're summarizing public health guidance. We're providing, where can you, where can you, you know, where do you get a list of, of COVID symptoms? Where right. do you get, you know, the mm. poster you put on the wall for, yeah, you know, this is, you know, masking and whatnot. Um, there was at one point there was a resource for folks uh, trying to pool with other companies to buy cleaning supplies and yeah. things like that. Um, you couldn't find stuff either. Legislative summaries, which I always love as a former state house staffer, but as, as things were making their way through Congress and of course between the House and the Senate and the White House, it was it was and people trying to follow that because you know if, if you're a small business and you're hearing about a program that's going to provide money to small businesses to help keep them afloat it's not a political exercise for you it's right. not an academic exercise right. you need to know what's in the bill you don't care about the white house's talking points no. you need to know what made it what, into the bill and how, and does how, it how do you get it right right so this turned into we call them information and resource updates we would put them all up on our website after they went out it turned into it started maybe one or two a week we very deliberately wouldn't do more than two a week. We didn't want to spam people. Yeah. That has become one of the most enduringly That's popular awesome. features of the partnership, and we still do it and you're gonna keep today. Doing it. And you could go read them all right now under That's information awesome. and resources on our website, 495partnership.org. Yeah, sometimes people just need the, the information. I know we have a question, but I just wanted to add on to that um, mm -hmm. quickly. The, I thought, just because I think it's interesting. So even we're at home and we're trying to go through all this information and figure out what people need to know. There was also still this unique piece of it though, where we were still taking a lot of Zoom meetings, but meetings with companies that were in the life science industry that were expanding. Mm -hmm. So yeah. like on the one hand, you had small business, MEDC did a really great grant program where we, we gave out grants to all of our small business, mostly restaurants, anybody that was reopening, yeah. they needed to put up plexiglass or they needed masks, all kinds of stuff like that. We, right. we took our toolbox, Outdoor, which, outdoor yeah, outdoor dining, dining you yeah. know, so we took our toolbox funding and we, we tried to, you know, just pivot and say, okay, let's use this for reopening yeah. costs. And so that was really great. We gave out a hundred and I think it was $130,000 to over 33 small business. Um, so there was that happening, but then there was also this like, okay, we're a life science company. We're growing rapidly to keep up with the pandemic. Yeah. We need space and we need it yesterday and it needs to be ready to go. So there was like, there was so many different needs. Um, it was an interesting yeah. time. Question. Well, before we get to this question, Dallas, I'm going to come to your question in just a second. So you said that we reallocated toolbox money. Correct. Can you just, for anyone that's just joined us for the first time. Plug the toolbox? Plug the toolbox. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, Lin and Linda, Linda, if you're watching, because I know you are, yeah. maybe you can throw a link in here for people to go to the yes, toolbox. Yes, But toolbox. the economic development toolbox is yeah. funding that is available for a uh, existing Marlboro company, small business, or a small business that's looking to come into Marlboro. We have small incentives that are available for beautification. Um, we also have it for rental assistance, um, you know, different types of funding. But if you are a small business looking to come to Marlboro, we want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, couldn't help it. All right. Thank you, Jill. So we've got a question from Dallas. So Dallas says, good morning. Are residents, Jason, this question is for you, able to join the partnership and any of the committees, or do you need to be an employee or a public figure to participate? 
great question. That is a great question. Our resources, committee meetings, are open to any interested person. So one of the sort of unique elements about uh, the partnership, we're not a a membership organization. We have municipalities that are members of our service area, but the companies that support us, we we call them investors. We're not, and certainly, you know, for there's there's benefits to being an investor, which we spell out on our website, uh, but we're not a membership organization. Our events, uh, meetings are open to any interested person. The information and resource email updates, that's a public resource we provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, any interested person interested in signing up to be on our email list, you go to 495partnership.org, click join our email list, you can start receiving those as well. And like I said, you can even go back and read all of the uh, materials on our site. You know, we are one of the consequences of being the unique alliance that we are. We're not just a business group, we're an alliance of businesses, local governments, some nonprofit organizations. We're not a pay-to-play organization. Yeah. Okay. And again, if you're if you're an investor in the company, there are certain benefits to investing, but to benefit from the advocacy that we do, to have access to the programming we put on, the information we put out, it's open to any interested person. We're not a That's pay-to-play awesome. organization. Yeah. So how do you how do you go about choosing your board members? per se. So as I mentioned a little bit, our board members are balanced by stakeholder groups. So there's a certain number of business seats and we do prioritize investors for seats on the board of directors, but there's also municipal officials. There are representatives of higher education organizations. There are representatives from environmental groups. There's a chamber representative. There's an RTA representative. So actually a lot of different folks built into our bylaws, which we recently revised thanks to a very hardworking bylaws review task force on which (laughs) Meredith Harris participated. (laughs) I was on this one. She, yeah. she had said no to being on the executive <laughs> committee, so then she couldn't say no to doing this. So she had a lot of fun. So they're a lot cleaner thanks to Meredith's hard work. Um, but, we, uh, let's not talk about it. <laughs> I know. Big right into our bylaws is actually this very unique board structure so where we make sure that stakeholders are evenly represented. That's Wonderful. awesome. Wonderful. All right. So I have, we're, believe it or not, we're bumping up against time. Oh, wow. I know. But I did <laughs> want to ask you, we have one, one fun question we're going to ask you before you leave, but also... Just in a couple of words, a couple sentences, how does the 495 partnership approach economic development? You know, what's your approach on that? We take a holistic approach to economic development. We are working to create a climate and an environment that supports sustainable economic growth. And what do I mean by that? We need good housing stock. We need reliable transportation infrastructure. We need to do something about aging water infrastructure all through our 36 cities and towns. Mm-hmm. In addition to recruiting companies to come in, supporting companies who are already here or might be considering leaving or helping those who are considering expanding. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that this is the place that businesses want to be because there's a highly skilled workforce, because there's a lot of transportation options. So there's a lot of highway access. You've got, I mentioned the diamond. On each tip of the diamond is an airport, whether you're Logan, Manchester, awesome. Worcester, or TF Green. Um, you know, there's a lot of rail infrastructure as well. Uh, but this, to make this the place that businesses want to be, we need to take that holistic look about at all of those various topic areas that make a region a place where people want to live mm-hmm. and where companies find the people that they want to hire right. to do what they want to put out. Yeah. I say all the time, you know, we do outreach to companies, part of our, you know, business outreach program with the mayor's office. And the number one thing we hear from companies is impl- it's all about the employees. Yeah. Yep. If I can find the workforce, I'm not going anywhere. You know, and so we oftentimes we think it's we're going to go out to the company and, you know, what's your, you know, I don't want to say complaint, but is there something we could be doing better? And there, it's never about taxes or, you know, infrastructure. It's always about the employees. Tips. The question of, of tips come up a lot. I like to tell people, you know, sometimes, sometimes an important tool, depending on the municipality. Yep. But if, if, if it's not the main driver. Exactly. If, if taxes, if, if, if tips and, and funding mechanisms were all it was, 
companies would be locating to the cheapest community, right. and that's where you'd yeah. see all that's the economic growth. That's right. not what you see, and there's a right. reason for that. Right, yeah. right, right. All right, so we'll end on a light note, right? We like to do that. But yeah. you're a big foodie. I am. You, I forget <laughs> that you follow me on Instagram. I do follow you on Instagram. <laughs> He's a big foodie, which I love. Um, we both often are at Rocco's Donuts, which is in Westboro. Maybe we can get them to come to Marlboro at some point. But, you know, I see that you're there. You're often in the region going often to different there. restaurants, trying different things out. If you were in Marlboro, like say it's like a Friday night or something, where where would you go? Almost yeah. like our game, where would you go? So I have a, uh, uh, this is an easy one for me because I have a long standing love uh, with linguinis on Route all 20 right. West near the yeah. North Brooklyn line. So I grew up, I live in Shrewsbury now. I grew up in Shrewsbury going all the way back to childhood. And it's actually a little bit of a hike. It's like an 18, 19, 20 minute drive. But it's worth it. I will go all the way to linguinis. <laughs> I got half sausage, half anchovy. Um, I'm probably the only person on who a pizza? orders that. Yes. All right. I'm probably the only person who orders that, but one, one of my all time favorite establishments in the world. I think wow. President Austin, if he's still watching, he is a big pepperoni pizza fan of linguinis also. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that him and his wife everything get it like every Saturday or is, something. Everything they do is fantastic. But also, I, 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 may, I think I mentioned to Meredith before we started when I started this job and the pandemic got in the way. I'm no trying way, to resume really? it. So 36 cities and towns. I'm trying to visit diners for breakfast in That's each of awesome. my 36 cities and towns. Uh, so until, you know, my heart gives out from all the greasy food that I'm eating, uh, I'm going to keep that project up. And you told us there was one in Marlboro. That Jake's right, you know, right, Jake's right, right across the street. And um, if anybody Jill wants to, to throw school. additional yeah. diner suggestions into the chat or into the comments, I'd love to love to take Isn't your suggestions. One, yeah, I think there's one in Hudson, too, Victoria's that I've always wanted to try, but I haven't been over uh, there yet. There's the 50s, Victory yeah. 50s diner. Ben, that's fantastic. Is that's it was one of the early ones I went to right on right near the Rotary in Hudson. Yep. Yeah. yep See, I don't, I don't venture out of Marlboro, so I haven't oh. been there. I'm Panthers eat hawk meat. So. <laughs> There's <laughs> diners. Every, you, have to, you have to do a little research, though, which is why I'm saying for any viewers who want to throw some suggestions in, I'd love to William take them. William on you, right? Yep. Well, That's President awesome. Austin did chime in absolutely every Saturday pepperoni pizza from, from Linguini's. Linguini's. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Excellent. And I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure one of our staffers tagged Linguini's. In That's place, awesome. As they should. That's awesome. That's awesome. Jason, thank you so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate it and, you know, appreciate the partnership and really the importance of playing nice with your neighbors is important. Yeah. And, you know, you guys are able to help facilitate a lot of those questions and, and those conversations and keep the data coming because we rely heavily on and the congratulations data. Congratulations to Marlboro from now being of 351 cities and towns, the 37th largest uh, in the Commonwealth. Growth really? rate of 8.6%, which surpassed the state rate of 7.4% in the last 10 years. Boom. <laughs> growing, not only growing, growing faster than the state, just shy of 42,000. You guys will get, get them past 42 soon, right? No problem. <laughs> no problem. Not a big deal. Awesome. Jason, thank you again. Thanks and, for having uh, me. to our audience, we will see you not next week, but the is it the week after? I don't know. The, the first, first Wednesday of September, yes. we will be back, and we're excited to see you then. Have a great day.